I believe that telling our stories, first to ourselves and then to one another and the world, is a revolutionary act. Janet Mock. I bring that quote on today's episode because I'm going to talk about labels and the stories that they hold within them. More specifically, I will talk about three labels that have really defined this part of my life, which are black, fat, queer. Today's selection on our jukebox, Truth Hurts. And now some echoes from the artist community. Let me tell you about this liberating feeling of being on the outside. You get to define your boundaries. What's astounded me more than systemic racism is my resilience in the face of it. I don't like the taste of it any more than you, but I am not going to subject my future sisters and brothers to what feels like torture. To contour your face to satisfy someone else's comfortability? Nah, that shit don't sit right with the feminist in me. And I don't say feminist to be ironic or cute. I say feminist because women's voices have been mute. Black women especially. Real feminism is for black women especially. I understand the hesitancy to get behind feminism when it's been dominated by white feminists. But let's take that shit back and make it black. Not colored, black. You say woman of color for respectability when really you mean black. Because we're black when you say Latina power and only include light and white Latinas. We're black when East Asian women use our culture as a costume. We're black when you distinguish between curls and naps. So if that's the case, let us be black. Not women of color, black women. I resent the fact that our language has to be so exact. But when you act like we don't exist for eons, we don't get to be peons in your fake feminism. You don't get to take feminism and whitewash it because then is it really feminism? Or is it just another extension of white supremacy? I don't get to relegate my identity between black and woman. They exist simultaneously And that is dangerously understood, not overstood, but understood. So that was an excerpt from my poem, Red Robin. And I brought it on today's episode because I really want to home in on this topic of intersectionality. As someone who lives at intersections, this is very important to me. So I actually dedicated a whole column on our blog to intersectionality. This is the first story of our XYZ column. So stay tuned for more stories about intersections and the experiences of people who live at them. I say all that to say today's episode is going to feature Khalid Crowder, who lives at the intersection of being black, plus size, and queer. You'll learn more about his story after the break. This is the podcast that you'll never look back on Oh oh, it's Rebel Radio and I 
to the show. That's a whole lot of art. Now let's get into some culture that we can digest. Being black, plus size, queer, and I'm also disabled, um, I'm neurodiverse, it's a lot. It, it's a lot to deal with. Especially when I was younger, um, being plus size was the worst, you know, I was made, I was heavily um, bullied for it, you know, they would call me names like, and I say plus size, I don't like to say fat because, you know, I remember being called fat ass and fat Albert and, you know, people would make fun of my, you know, man boobs, you know. That's Kalik on being plus size. And I really can relate to that because especially in the black community, there is this intense fat phobia that affects black people at all ages. Like I remember my grandma telling me that if I wanted to wear this pair of pants for my sister's graduation, I had to lose 20 pounds in two weeks. And then I remember my sister drawing a pig on the door and putting my name on it. So it was very traumatic growing up plus size and just having to deal with this fat phobia within your own community and then from outside communities as well. So I really relate to what Kalik was saying there. Then when we go to the Twitter sphere, we see this fat phobia on there as well. I remember a few weeks ago, this one person told somebody else, how are you fat and a trainer? Because in order to be healthy, you have to be skinny, right? Sadly, this is the narrative that has been spread for a very long time. And on NPR's shortwave podcast, author and sociology professor Sabrina Stream said, we can think about a new way of allowing people to have a positive relationship to their bodies and to cultivate health within themselves and their community that does not rely on fat stigma. So we can reimagine conversations about health without relying on fat phobia. However, that's not the only social stigma that we need to address. How we examine queer and transness largely revolves around predated and prejudiced viewpoints. For example, we tell bisexual women that they haven't found the right man. And then we tell bisexual men that they only like men. So both of these revolve around the idea that you must be attracted to men. And that's a problem within itself. It's misogyny. It's homophobia, it's biphobia, it's all of those things combined into one. And then when it comes to transness, there seems to be this divide within the LGBTQIA community between cis and trans people. Some cis people don't want to include trans people in their activism. That's a problem within itself because when we think about women's activism, we tell white women that they need to be more inclusive of black women and other women of color. And then we turn around and we exclude trans women or trans men from our activism. But like Marcia P. Johnson said, no pride for some of us without liberation for all of us. So my older brother is also openly gay as well. 
And I remember being, when I was younger, you know, he would take me to summer camp. I went to summer day camp and he had a purse. This is 2004, I was eight, and that was kind of like, you know, very taboo. You know, I, I always tell people it's kind of weird being my age because I remember when certain things were taboo, but we're also the generation that's destigmatizing certain, th a lot of things. Um, and so, yeah, I was made fun of because my brother had a purse, you know, um, being queer, you know, I think part of being queer also, you know, for me, I'm op I've been openly gay since I was 18, 19, you know, um, part of being queer is kind of, is basically going against societal norms and not falling in line. A very good point that he's making. And when I think of these issues, I think of artists in the entertainment industry, such as Lizzo and Lil Nas X, who have to deal with being black and queer or black and plus size. So I asked Khalid what he thought of the treatment that Lizzo receives, and he had this to say. As far as Lizzo and the hate she receives, you know, I, so I'm not the biggest Lizzo fan. I like a few of her songs, but I will say I'm very, very, very much proud of her. But I mean, so as far as the hate she receives, I mean, she is a plus size black woman, a brown skinned plus size black woman. Um, she makes pop music. I mean, how many, you know, when we think pop stars, we think, you know, white skinny men, you know, men or, or women, you know, um, and thinking about it before Lizzo, we've never really had like, you know, a plus size female artist. I mean, well, I wouldn't say we hadn't have one. I mean, we had Missy Elliott, we had Jill Scott, Kelly Price, but they did R&B and hip hop. And even though Missy Elliott, I mean, I, I think Jill Scott also, I'm not, you know, uh, fam as familiar with her music, but, you know, if they sang about sex, they sang about sex, but they didn't have their, they didn't take off their clothes. Like, you never saw Missy Elliott in the video with her clothes off half naked. Lizzo is someone who is not afraid to flaunt her body, to be fully naked, with clothes on, without clothes on, you know? Um, and people are, are mad, you know? We live in a world, especially with women, women are more so, you know, held to higher standards, higher standards of beauty than men. Because it's like, why do we have a problem with Lizzo twerking or being half naked, but like Rick Ross can have his shirt off in music videos? So Lizzo checks off three boxes when it comes to intersections. She's black, she's a woman, and she's plus size. And we've kind of talked about being plus sized on this episode. We haven't really talked about womanhood, but I might get into that a little bit later. I really wanna home in now on what it means to be black. And Khalid gave a very good response to this idea of blackness in society. This is what he said. Because when you're black, you're supposed to listen to Lil Wayne and Gucci Mane, which, you know, I wish people would kind of get in their heads of black people and black queer people, especially not monoliths, you know? Um, being black, you know, dealing with white people. I mean, most of the racism that I've dealt with was on a micro level. Um, but you know, you know, you deal with race, so you deal with micro racism from white people and, and sometimes non-black people of color, and you deal with homophobia from your own people and Latinos as well, you know? Um, and a lot of that stuff I try to block out of my head just because those are, those are very traumatic memories. 
Um, but you know, my experience with white people, it's kind of like they like you until they don't. You know, I went to a mostly white high school and, you know, a lot of white people were very, you know, like once they kind of show their true colors, that's when you kind of knew that you kind of couldn't continue being friends with them. To this last point, I want to talk about my experience at Northwestern. When one of my classmates asked our white classmates why they were taking up space in a class that was taught by a black woman. And it was one of the very few classes that actually was taught by a black woman. And in his response, his first sentence said, hey whiteies. And that's what triggered all of the white people in the group chat. And one came up to me and we were talking about what happened in the group chat. And she said, and I quote, don't homogenize white people. And that's what really got me. Up until that point, we had been friends because I thought that she understood what it means to be an ally. But like a lot of people have said, allyship is a lie. The lie detector determined that was a lie. And that moment really solidified that for me. Who doesn't love a good play on words? To close out the show, here are three freestyles in under three minutes. Wrap it up, then. Woo! That was a lot. But then again, it wasn't even enough. I've said this before, but I really want these episodes to be an anchor into certain topics. And I tried to touch on three today because I really wanted to press this issue about intersectionality. And I don't know if I did justice but I do know that I did it. And if you enjoyed it, go to linktree.com backslash rebel mag and click on the button that says XYZ, which will lead you to our XYZ column. But before I go, I want to leave you with three activists whom you should follow if you're interested in learning more about blackness, fatness, and queerness. So let go. First is Deshaun Harris, who has a history of talking about the intersections of blackness, fatness, and queerness. I interviewed them a few years ago about this article regarding gentrification, and they gave some really good quotes about what was happening in Atlanta and then what happened in Brooklyn with the Barclays Center. Then last year, Kaylani shouted them out on her Can I video because they gave this really powerful quote about what it meant to be a sex worker. So all in all, you should definitely tap into them. There's also Roxane Gay, who wrote Hunger in 2017 as a memoir to her body. Finally, you should follow No Name. So a few years ago, she started a book club that was centered around giving political education on topics such as black radicalism, communism, and LGBTQIA discourse. And despite what J. Cole said, the queen's tone don't matter. She is on it and she has really, really dedicated herself to being not the commercialized version of being woke, but actually being aware of what is going on in society. So you should definitely follow her, Deshaun Harris, and Roxanne Gay. But this has been a long episode. So let me let y'all go. I really appreciate it if you've made it this far, not only in this podcast episode, but in our journey. It's been a weird second season just because of COVID and just my personal life has been all up in the air. But I promise season three will be a hit. <laughs>
and I'll probably have a few more episodes of this season before I gradually move into season three. But thank you for being rowdy, for being rebellious, and for being awesome. Until next time.